scripture reading this morning is taken from Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Ephesians 6, verses 1 through 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Seven people here. There it is. We have 127 people here, and we are grateful for every single one of you. Thankful that God has blessed us to be together. If you did not receive a family report as you came in this morning, our ushers are in the back, and I'm going to ask them if they'd be willing to bring some of those into the room, and you can kind of raise your hand and let them know, and you can get one of those from them. There's a place on the back that you can take a few notes this morning and follow along with our message, hopefully have something to take away from our time together. Before we get started this morning, I just want to remind everybody, this is VBS week here. And that's on the back page of the Family Report as well. You can see that there printed at the bottom of that page. This is VBS week, and this is a big week. A lot of people have been gearing up for a long time to prepare for this week of intense Bible teaching. And uh, so we're excited about that, excited to see how that's going to go. We're so uh, so grateful that God has blessed us with opportunities to do stuff like this and to devote ourselves so wholeheartedly to learning and teaching His Word. And we pray, I pray genuinely that you will be part of that this week and that if your schedule allows it even a little bit or you can make your schedule allow it that you will be here to be part of that every night of this week it's going to be a great time and be a great time for us to study God's word together there's a couple more family reports coming around so keep your hands raised on this side of the building it's going to be a great time for us to study from God's word together and learn some important lessons about eternal realities things that can change our lives for the better so that we can spend our eternal lives with him it's going to be just an awesome week, and I'm so excited about it. <clears throat> the comic strip shows that it's Christmas time, and Lucy walks into the room where Charlie Brown is sitting, and she says, Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. Tis the season of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Therefore, I suggest that we forget all of our differences and that we love one another. And Charlie Brown's face lights up because Lucy doesn't normally say things like that to him, and so his face lights up, and he says, That's wonderful, Lucy. I'm so glad that you said that. But tell me, do we have to love each other only at this season of the year? Why can't we love each other all year long? And Lucy says, what are you, a fanatic or something? <clears throat> the very idea that we would love the people close to us all the time, it must be, must be some sort of fanaticism. If Lucy's right, then the Christian family is definitely supposed to be a fanatical family. We are. We are people who are all about our families. It's interesting to me, in the second century, there was a writer who railed against Christianity. He, he belittled it. He made fun of it in all sorts of ways. And yet, in all of his writings, as he talks about the stupidity of these people that follow the man they call their Christ... Their family structure is really good. And he has to admit that because it's just one of the realities that he sees when he looks at, when he looks at their lives. It's a big part of who we're called to be. This idea of family. It's a big part of being in Christ that we are family people. And so I hope this morning that we'll, we'll get to think about some of that, especially in terms of fathers as we think about it being today, uh, today being Father's Day. I want you to take your Bible out or turn it on and go to Psalm number 127, please. Psalm number 127. 
I want you to mark your Bible there, put your finger in the pages, or put a bookmark in your e-Bible, and then go over to Deuteronomy chapter 6, please. Those two passages, Psalm number 127, Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the two passages that we're going to start with this morning. I think parents understand, I think anybody who is a parent understands, and even, matter of fact, those who aren't parents and who just have godly wisdom, we understand that having kids and raising kids is a critical undertaking. It is an absolutely critical thing to do well. We have a brother... Uh, from White House, Tennessee, where we where we just moved from, who would tell me on, on certain occasions, he told me more than once, it is not required. There are certain things in life that are optional. Having children is optional. Raising children, once you have them, is not optional. It is something that you absolutely have to be committed to because it is a critical process. And so Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1, This is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all the statutes and the commandments which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land that flows with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. And with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Now listen carefully. All of that setting up to their faithful living. And he says in verse 7, And you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Moses knew because God knew that raising kids is a critical undertaking. It is so interesting to me that God says if you want to live well and you want to do well in the new land that you are going to possess, if you want to be my faithful people, then you have to keep my commandments. And the very next words out of his mouth are, teach them to your kids. Teach your kids. Be constantly aware of your God. Show your kids an impression of their God. Show them what God is actually like. You know, if you kind of take your thumb and you, you punch it into the fat part of your other finger right there, your other hand, and then you remove that, there's a little white circle that's left for just a minute. That's the impression. That's the idea here. That you would put an impression of God on the hearts of your children. And that takes us to Psalm 127. That takes us to our second passage for this morning in Psalm number 127. Here the psalmist talks very poetically about making that impression and giving the direction to our kids. Psalm 127 verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For He gives to His Beloved, sleep. Behold, verse 3, Children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gates. The idea 
The idea in verse in verse 4 there of arrows in the hand of a warrior, that idea carries a lot of implications with it. The arrows are the tools that a warrior uses. They're the tools that reach far beyond his own reach. They're the tools that have a greater impact on his world than he can have by himself. So this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to the other dads in the audience this morning in this room. I want to talk to the other dads about sending our, our arrows out endowed with our faith. I want us to think about sending our arrows out in a way that they can fly straight and true. What is this whole image of, of arrows and archers? What does it teach us about the crucial undertaking of fathers who want to bring up their children in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord? What is it? What does it teach us about all of that? I got three or four things that I want to show you, which I believe are inherent within this within this image. Number one, number one, and if you're filling in the blanks there on the back of the family report, here we go. Number one, it suggests that we have to commit to the process. Commit to the process. Every soldier. Every law enforcement officer, everyone who carries a deadly weapon on a regular basis will tell you, you do not draw that weapon unless you are willing to fire. Do not even draw the weapon unless you are committed to the process of firing it all the way to the end of that process. And the same is true with children. Again, having children is optional. Getting married is optional. But once you opt into either one of those things, devotion is not optional. It is a must. We must be devoted to the process of either one of those relationships. And so let's just be very real about this on the front end of this front end of it this morning. Sometimes you can be committed. You can be a perfectly godly and committed parent, and yet you may not raise godly kids. In that blank on the family report, it should say there is no perfect science to raising godly kids. Page 2 of your Bible, God has two children. He endows them with a perfect, uh, unbroken, unfettered relationship with Himself. He puts them in a perfect environment. They don't have the internet. They don't have cable. They don't have promiscuous high school friends. They don't have Netflix. They don't have anything like that. And yet, they still walk away from God. It's a perfect environment with a perfect father and they still rebel. Page 4 of your Bible. You have two two children of that couple. You have Cain and Abel. And they're again raised in an environment. No internet. No peer pressure. No nothing that we typically blame for someone walking away. And yet one of those boys kills the other one. It is still up to them. It is their prerogative to make choices. But now that we've said that, Let's be exceedingly clear about this as well. In spite of the fact that grown people make their own decisions, the fact of the matter is that a mother and a father's behavior can bear bad consequences on a child because mom and dad were not committed to the process of raising that child to honor God. I want you to think about David's life for just a minute in the scriptures. In David's life, a man after God's own heart. God is the one who said that about him. That he is a man after my own heart. And yet, his family is a disaster. David's family is a disaster. And with one of his sons named Absalom, who tried to overthrow David and become king himself, the Bible says in 1 Kings 1 and verse 6 that David had never crossed Absalom by asking him, why have you done this? 
He never, he never asked his son. He never disciplined his son. He never asked Absalom, hey, what are you thinking here? What are you doing that for? Why are you behaving that way? God, you know better than that. And God expects better of you than that. And it had some terrible consequences for David and for the family, for the nation. And ultimately, Absalom ends up dying as a result of his bad behavior. And the text tells us that David was not involved as a parent. And that's what goes in that last blank there on the family report. Parents who are going to be godly have to be involved. You really do commit to that when you have a kid. We have to understand, those of us who are parents, mom and dad are just not meant to wing it when it comes to parenting. There should be some sort of planning. There should be some sort of strategy. There should be some understanding and some teamwork on the front end of this process that understands that we are going to stay committed for the long haul. Now going back to Psalm 127. And this idea of arrows in the hands of a warrior. I want you to think for a minute about the amount of training that a warrior has to go through to be committed to this process. Remember several years ago when that team of Navy SEALs went in to take out the compound where Osama bin Laden had been hiding? And you remember that after that, after that event occurred, after that overnight mission that had been completed, and, and as the news stories covered it for the next several days, several details began to emerge about how they trained for that and how they had built a full-scale replica of the compound that they were going into. And they had trained multiple, multiple times how they were going to infiltrate and take over this place. And they had a backup chopper on, on standby in case one of them went down because they had planned ahead. They were committed to this process. When they drew the weapons, that day they intended an end result and they worked toward it and planned for it and committed to it the same is true with the arrows in the hand of a warrior children require some planning some strategy and they require complete commitment to the process if that arrow is going to fly straight and true when it when it leaves the bow Fathers, do you want your children to have the faith of their father and plan the methods and commit to the process? Number two, thing that I learned from arrows in the hand of a warrior, if you want your children to have the faith of their father, if you want those arrows to fly straight and true, then you need to provide the direction. Do you know what the most important step is in the process of shooting an actual arrow? aiming where it's going to go. <laughs> you kind of point it in the right direction. That's the most crucial part to the whole thing. Now listen very carefully to what I'm about to say. If mothers and fathers, if grandmothers and grandfathers for that matter, do not choose to provide the direction to aim the arrows, the world will be more than happy to do it for us. If we don't provide the direction for the arrows in our quivers, then... The world will be more than happy to do that for us. There's a verse in your Bible that, that you may have read before. I'm going to remind you of it here in just a minute. It's Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 18. It says, Discipline your son, for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. Well, nobody's going to do that. I don't want to put my son to death. That's not exactly, though, the langu- what the language is trying to convey in its original language. In the New International Version... It says, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Now let that sink in for just a minute. 
do not be a willing party to their death. If parents don't discipline their children, instruct their children, provide direction for their children, then we become a willing party to our children's deaths. Whether that's physical death or spiritual death or social death or intellectual death, if we don't provide the direction, we become willing participants in that death. I'm a big fan of a of a, a writer named Stephen Sondheim who's written some tremendous Broadway musicals. And in one of his musicals, he says, his lyrics say, Careful the things you say. Children will listen. Careful the things you do because children will see and learn. Children may not obey, but children will listen. And they will look to you for which way to turn, to learn who to be. Careful before you say, listen to me. Because children will listen. And he's right. He's right about that. Children may not always obey what we tell them to do, but they will often do what they see us do, and they will say what they hear us say. And so if your children see that in your home you have a passion for excellence, that you don't cut corners, that you finish a job all the way to the end with the highest level of excellence that you can, Chances are that your children will come to value that same idea of excellence, that they won't cut corners, that they will be committed to seeing a process through to its end. The chances are that if in your home you show a desire to work hard and to achieve and to to give your best for the sake of pleasing Christ, chances are your children will at least learn how to work hard because they saw that in in their father. If your children see, men, that we are, if our children see that we are honest, that we swear to our own hurt and we still don't change, as David says, the chances are that they will come to value honesty in their lives as well. And if our children see that we value the spiritual dimension of life, that that what we do in church assemblies is important to us as the fathers, as the parents, if our children see that it is not just here that Christ is in our lives, but that it is everywhere that He is in the way that I think and the way that I talk, the chances are decent at least that He will see that, that our children will see that and will mirror that in their lives as well. Parents, we need to be honest with ourselves about those ideas and about this verse from Solomon about being a willing party to their death. If these things are not shown in the home, if these things are not shown in the way that we provide the direction, the world will be more than happy to undo all of that and to show them a completely different direction. Let's just be honest about the fact that Satan has stacked the deck against us raising godly children. He has stacked the deck against our children having the faith of their fathers. And so if we want our sons and our daughters to have that faith, if we want the arrows to fly straight and true, then we have to show them our God as He truly is. Not the box mix version of our God that the world would try to show them is the real God. We need to show them the God of the Bible. What He is like. What He wants from our lives and why that's important. We need to be the ones who provide the direction. 
Now what does that mean in practical terms? It means, it means that you don't let somebody else show them the way to go. That you step in and be the one on purpose who does that. Joshua is the famous example of this in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15 where he says, For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You make your own choice, but me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I love that passage, and I think a lot of us love that passage. We like to cross-stitch it and put it in the entryways of the house because it is, it is, it's moving, it's motivating, and it reminds us that that's what this is all about. But I love that passage because Joshua gets to stand up publicly and be so heroic in his proclamation that this is how we're doing this. Let me ask you a question, though. If you were given the same opportunity to stand up in a heroic public setting and say, my family and I will serve the Lord... Would you do it? And I think most of us would say yes. But what about on a Tuesday night of an average work week when there's nothing going on? Do we serve the Lord in that setting when there's really nothing heroic about it? And all it takes is the honesty of us saying God is still important right now. And showing our children that God is important in everyday life. And yes, that's what goes in that blank on the family report. That God is important in everyday life. We need to make sure that as dads, that as fathers, that we focus more in our homes and especially with our children in that role as their father, that we focus more on G-O-D than we do on G-P-A or M-V-P. We need to make sure that we show them in everyday living what is most important. I'm not saying those other things are wasteful, but I'm saying we need to show them what is most important. I'm going to say this, and I think most of you who have children, most of us who have children of any significant age will know this to be true. Your kids may not remember or appreciate all the ball practices that you took them to. They may not remember or appreciate all the nights that you put off your favorite TV show to do their homework with them. And they may not remember and appreciate all the times that you took them to guitar lessons, even though it pains me to think that that might happen. They may not remember all of that. They may not appreciate all of that. But one day they will remember when you had a Joshua 24 moment. And when you said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And it was a weird time for you to have that moment. It was a strange time. And they just thought, really, right now, Dad, you're going to bring up spiritual stuff right now? And you say, yes, because God is with us all the time. And because we are always in Him. And they will remember that even if they don't appreciate it. Now, let me say this. This attitude is not one that I would expect to hear from any of the parents in this group. But let me mention it as a warning anyway. Somebody might say, well, I just don't want to force religion on my kids. I don't want to force that idea of spirituality on them. I want to let them make their own decisions about God and His ways. Okay, so let me ask you. When the school counselor calls and says, your son has missed 70% of school this year. 70%. Are you going to force education on your kids at that point? Are you going to force them to go? Or are you going to tell that school counselor, well, we've just kind of decided to let him make his own decision about education. You know, that doesn't work. It doesn't work in that setting. Because we understand if we're going to have educated kids, we have to show them the importance of education from the parental level into their lives. We have to show them how important that is. And so... 
when your close friend at church comes to you and says, hey, your daughter has missed 75%, 70% of the Bible classes that are being offered this quarter, are you going to say the same thing? Hey, your daughter came over to my house the other day and there was alcohol on her breath. She was hanging out with my kids and there was alcohol on her breath. Are you going to say, well... We've just decided to let her make up her own mind about behavior and spiritual things and all that sort of stuff. We're going to let her come to that decision on her own. Are you going to use the same thing? If you do that, if you decide that's the way you want to do it, remember the words of Solomon, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Now, number three. Number three lesson that we learn from arrows in the hand of a warrior is this. If parents are going to provide the direction, it obviously means that we have to aim for the target. Aim for the target. The quintessential passage in talking about this is Luke 2.52, where the Holy Spirit says that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with man. I want you to think about that in terms of your children. When, When they're in the crib, even from the time that they're in the crib, we give our kids the tools to grow in wisdom. We, we have educational toys that we put in the crib with them because from day one, we want them to start learning something. We want their minds to develop, and so we try for them to increase in wisdom. We want our kids to increase in stature, and so we put up those little growth charts on the doorways, and we mark them every couple of months how much they've grown and how much they've progressed, and we try to feed them healthy food so that they will continue to grow in their bodies in stature. We want our kids to grow in favor with man, and so we arrange for them to to spend time with other people their age and we try to get them to talk to the older people at church. We try to get them to be nice to their teachers because we want them to grow in favor with man and we want them ultimately, godly parents, want our kids to grow in favor with God as well. Paul commended Timothy for the faith that he had. He commended Timothy for his own faith. Faith that was strong in Timothy's heart in second and Excuse me, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. But what is interesting to me about that is he says, I know how that faith got there. And it got there because you saw it first in your home. Because it was in your grandmother and in your mother. And that's the example that you got. And so Timothy grew in favor with God. And that's what we want for our kids as well. So what does it take to do that? How does that actually happen? What is the practical example, the practical guideline for making that occur? It is one main ingredient above all others, time. What does it take to get to show your kids how to grow in stature, in wisdom, in favor with God, in favor with man? What does that take? It takes time. Time that is devoted to those kids. Solomon said a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. And it would be very easy to say he brings shame to his father as well. Let me give you a statistic to think about. A hundred years ago in this country it is estimated... It is estimated that parents spent 54% of their waking hours with their children. 54%. Today, it is estimated that parents spend 18% of their waking hours with their children. What does it take for them to grow in favor with God, in favor with man, in wisdom and in stature? It takes time. And I know we look at that and we go, well, yeah, Dan, but a hundred years ago, this was a different kind of country. We were more agrarian and there was a farm life and they spent time working together. And I understand that and that's fine. But I just want to make sure, I want to make sure that we realize that if we sleep six to nine hours a night and we work six to ten hours a day, 
that still leaves us 6 to 10 hours per day to use in our own discretion. 6 to 10 hours per day to use in our own discretion. What does it take to show children, to provide, to to aim them at the target of growing in all these different areas? It takes time devoted to them. And so if you're one to make a couple of notes, let me give you a couple of practical ways that you can do that, that you can give time to your kids. Number one, when the day's commitments are over, go home. When the day's commitments are over, go home. Go home and spend time with your kids. Go home and pray with your kids. Go home and make sure that your kids know that you love them as their father. Matter of fact, go home and make sure that your kids know how much you love their mom. Go home and show your kids what it is, what that's all about. And, and here's a piece of advice that was given to me by an older preacher buddy of mine, and I'm just going to give it to you as verbatim as I can. He said, when you pull in the driveway from work, no matter how bad the day has been, just remember, it is not the fault of anyone in that house that your day was bad. Don't take out your frustrations on anyone in that house. They don't deserve it. And in fact, he says, let's just call that what that is. That's a sin. Go home and be at home. Number two, number two, for using your time for your kids, refuse to let anybody else set your schedule for you. Your schedule belongs to you. Your time belongs to you. And we talked just last week about how to use our time, two weeks ago, how to use our time in a way that it matters to God. There are always going to be people who want to fill up your schedule for you and for me. But if any of us want our kids to be raised to know and to grow in God, then we have to guard our time with our families as zealously as we guard our time at work. Now, let me say this as a little caveat, a side thing to all of that. God expects for us to give a high priority to our work. God expects a certain level of excellence from the work that we do. That is crucial and that is plainly stated in the scriptures. A man's occupation is important to him and for good reason. God created the man to work. And Solomon said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. That said, that said, my father-in-law often reminds me and the other people around him that no success can compensate for failure at home. No success can compensate for failure at home. And that is sound, biblically based advice. And I would give the same to the other dads in this room today. Number three. Number three, way to devote time to your family is stay focused on the family. You ever talk to somebody that you could reach out and touch them and you knew they were a million miles away? I'm going to just tell you, I'm a preacher. It happens every Sunday. (laughs) You can reach out and touch somebody and you know they're not anywhere close to where you are. They're not focused on what's going on. They are a hundred million miles away. Your kids know when you do that to them as well. Our kids know when we do that to them as well. They come in, they want to talk to us about something, they want to talk to our, their dads about something, and then when we say, uh-huh, okay, okay, but why don't you go talk to mom about that? I'm watching Sports Center. Okay? We need to make sure that we are focused on our kids. Our kids will know about that. They will know when they are put off, and they will learn from you how to put off somebody else who should be important in their lives. I've heard it a hundred times, and I'm sure you have too. 
The day comes, the day comes for every parent when you would give anything to have your kids in your house talking to you. Don't waste the opportunities when they are actually there. Don't miss out on that. So a little pop quiz for all of us moms and dads. Do we know, do we know who our children's best friends are? Do we know if our children had a free day to spend on any activity what they would want to do? Do we know what our children's greatest pressure is? And do we know what our children's greatest fear is? I hope the answer to some of those is yes. I hope the answer to all of those is yes. Because let me tell you somebody that knows those answers very, very well. Satan knows those answers about your kids. And he knows that answer very, very well. And he is more than willing to be a party to their death. And so let's make sure that we, that we focus on our family, that we aim them at the target, that we spend a proper amount of time with them. And lastly this morning, one final thing I want you to think about, about arrows in the hands of a warrior, is this. About instilling our children with the faith of their fathers. The moment comes when a warrior has to release his arrows. And that's the same with our children. We have to release them with love. It just happens. A father and a mother must eventually let go. Many have said and many will admit that this is a parent's most difficult part of raising children. That's not me talking about that. That's a, that's a hundred different people that have talked to me about their kids. God gives us our kids for about 18 years and our and as parents we have an enormous responsibility to prepare our children with the faith that it will take to get them to their goal, to provide the direction and aim at the target and commit to the process. We have about 18 years to make that happen and then they've got to fly on their own. We've got to be willing to release them so that they can so that they can do that. It doesn't mean that you don't love them anymore. It just means you have to let them be individuals and take responsibility for themselves. You have to release them with love. And so as we close out this morning, we need to understand, I think it's important for us to understand, there are no perfect families, not a single one. And yet in spite of that, God has said that all families, mine, yours, and everybody's whom you know, all families have the responsibility to do our dead level best to seek God and to, to love Him with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength and to teach these things to our children. That was of primary importance with God's people in the Old Testament of how much more importance is it for those of us who live in Christ by His grace and His power. All families have the responsibility to instill faith in the children as much as we can so that a generation doesn't arise that doesn't know God. We don't want a generation that arises that is far from His sight. And so today, I would encourage you, while it is called today, like the Hebrews writer said, I encourage all the other parents in this room, thank God for the opportunity to raise our kids. And I encourage you to thank God for that opportunity every single day. Let me give you one more practical piece of advice on instilling children with the faith of their father. It is simply this. Pray. Pray for your kids every day of their lives. Pray for your kids every day of your life. And make sure that you're committed to the process. Make sure that you provide the direction. Make sure that you aim for the target. And make sure that you prepare them 
to be released with love. I hope today, I hope today that you are intent on instilling your children with the faith of their father. Thank you so much for your good attention this morning. If you're going to be using a hymnal, would you get it out and open it to number 326? I'll admit to you, this is probably my favorite or second favorite invitation song. Uh, And the reason that I like it is because the message is so simple. We're talking about trust and obey. That's such a simple message. It's such a simple idea. such a simple encouragement to just go to God. Believe that He will do what's right for you. Believe that His way is best. And then obey Him in it. The difficulty is that as simple as that is to teach and to understand, it's that much more difficult to live. And so I hope that this invitation is for everybody this morning. That it's not just for those who are away from God and, and, and need to come to Him to be saved in baptism. Listen, if that's where you are and you need, to, you need to talk to us about that, we'd be more than glad to talk to you about that. But I hope for all of us we look at this and we think... We, we sing this song, rather, and we think about how we can trust Him more. And more ways that we can believe that His way will work and that we can obey Him because, because we love Him. I hope that that's where we are this morning. And if anybody needs to come forward and make something known publicly, if you have a spiritual need that you want to talk about in that way, whether it is a need for salvation or for repentance or just for the prayers of this congregation, we would ask you, please don't put off an opportunity to do that. Come forward this morning while we're standing and singing this song.